Hey there, and welcome to Leading Change Conversations, the podcast where we tackle real-life challenges with leaders like you to make organizational change a breeze. In this episode, we explore the comprehensive life cycle of a transformation. We'll look into its initial preparation, the formal announcement, and strategies for sustaining support thereafter. Join us to gain insights into the behind-the-scenes dynamics, discover how senior leaders navigate the pre-announcement phase, and learn about engaging approaches to actively involve middle managers and individual contributors in the change process. I am Ulrike Seminati and I train, coach, and inspire leaders and leadership teams to turn into successful change agents, to communicate with impact, and to lead with authenticity. I am very pleased to welcome today Fiona McCarrow. Fiona has partnered with business executives across a range of industries and geographies, guiding them on engaging and living and engendering employee commitment on critical topics. She's highly skilled at developing opportunities to enable transformational change anchored to a compelling vision. A systemic thinker, Fiona thrives in organizations that are driving strong culture movements. Passionate about inclusivity, she's committed to ensuring all employees are encouraged and enabled to have their voices heard. Fiona's passion project is her role as a Gen Z ambassador committed to developing future leaders. Welcome, Fiona. Hey, Ulrika. Hi, nice to be with you today. Yeah, it's great to have such a seasoned leader today in this podcast. And it comes also to change in big organizations. And we will look into the whole life cycle of a change, even before the change is announced, even before people are aware of it, because this is also a very crucial phase and sometimes a very difficult phase in change, right? Exactly. And, and I like this phrase, life cycle, Ulrika, because I wonder if it's almost like a life force, given that um, a lot of transformational change starts in one place and really ends up taking on an unforeseen force of its own. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's also what many people scare so much because the change as such is already scary for many. And then knowing that even the announced change probably is not what will happen in reality because there will be so many turns and shifts along the way is, is quite scary, I think, for some profiles. Exactly. And I think that's where we get into about just how challenging it is. And... Um, I think our conversation today, Ulrika, is where we look at the, the uh, maybe unforeseen or not necessarily understood challenges that are quite often behind the scenes with these big transformational changes. Yeah, exactly. Because they do not start at the moment when they are announced to people, there's always quite a phase before. There's always a lot of discussion also around when do we announce it? Is it the right moment? No, we are not ready yet. And then it takes a lot of time sometimes to come out and rumors are starting to spread. And we have a quite difficult situation usually in holding the ambiguity before actually the change is announced. You know, you and I know that very often it's announced later than we would like it to be because we know, mm -hmm. oh God, the whole organization has a lot of unrest ongoing already. And we really, really, really need to communicate about it now. But sometimes that's not possible. So can you give us your insights from your projects? Why is it sometimes taking so long? <laughs> That's a really good question. I, I think there's, um, there's a couple of challenges. So the, the first challenge is like where you started from, which is basically that everybody knows something's going on. 
you know, and you, we've all seen it that um, there's suddenly a meeting room becomes a permanent war room. Suddenly people are asking for data that you're wondering why are they asking for that data? So um, there's definitely, as you say, the it, there's a certain gestation period that happens before announcement day. And um, I think this is really challenging because you get into that situation where some people are in the know, some people aren't in the know. People know that's what's going on. And the sort of challenge number one is for the leaders, I would say, is being really prepared to say, yes, um, we are planning changes. And, and I think that's important because we're all high, you know, our teams are full of intelligence, smart, savvy people. And um, they're not just going to not notice that things are happening. Ulrika, um, we know from our comms and change programs we've worked on together before that um, there's always like, oh, we're going to have a holding statement and have it ready like a week out. Come on, the, the corridor, the corridor chatter starts earlier. So um, I think that's challenge number one is around really the um, people always know something's up and how what's leaders have to really hold the line and say, okay, there, yes, sir, we are looking at changes and we will announce when we're ready. Um, I think that the second thing that you, you were getting to is, my gosh, why does it take so long? And I, and I think that, um, you know, all change has a, uh, has a starting point and these, these sort of transformational changes, they, they start either um, strategically because they're reflecting business needs, also opportunities that you may not be currently set up with the right operating model, et cetera. There may be impacts from other parts of the organization adapting to changes in the market. There's lots of good reasons to start the change. But going back to our friends in the corridor, the red thread through every change is the assumption that it's a cost-cutting exercise. Mm -hmm. And I think that this, is, this creates a great challenge throughout the process. And this is why people find it so unsettling is, yeah, they can, you know, it can be all these things, but it's really about cost setting. And I was thinking that change programs that I've been on, and I have to say, most of them start pretty straightforward. And then they just take on this life force of, the, of their own because, and start to get very complicated because you start seeing interlocks with um, either other parts of the business, other parts of your own business. You could see new opportunities that come up that, you know, if we just do this a little bit more, then we can do that. Of course, there's roadblocks um, that you that you don't anticipate. And um, I think that, that there's also the external factors. So the things like dealing with where are you going to have the changes so you get the best tax opportunity, whether the local unions, employee representative groups, the um the cantons or or states saying and let alone before you even get into the consultation period which for the big transformation projects most um companies and countries have to go through so i think that the the um the mechanics of planning the change are a really big challenge because it always ends up quite differently at a different point than where you started from yeah, that's absolutely right. What, what I know from my experience, I mean, when you start these really big shifts in organizations, where it's even about restructurings, for example, usually this is discussed in the C-level suit, yeah? Mm -hmm. 
And obviously on that level, there is, there is knowledge for sure, but there's no detailed knowledge in many things, like you say. And you might have a great plan and it works out very well when you make all the calculations and all the theories about it. And as soon as you start involving the next level leaders, so the senior leaders, they then come up with, with concerns that are real concerns, like, but that's, that doesn't work from an administrative perspective in this or that country. We cannot do it like that. There is a delay of three months that we have to consider. It's like, what? Ah, oh, what do we then do with the rest of the world? Do we stop it all for three months? And, and so on. Like you say, there are always these, these things are popping up. The more you involve other leaders, the more you get detailed information. And the more you know, ah, it doesn't work like we have planned. It, it doesn't work out like we have planned. Or there are a lot of additional costs coming. So we have to review the whole case from scratch again, if it makes sense. And we have to maybe leave out something or put something new in and so on and so forth. And all of this is, um, is, can be a long period of several months up to a year where there's a lot of discussion going on. And like you say, then rumors start spreading. The people in the corridor start speaking because obviously some experts were asked for data, for information and so on. And they know something's in the air. What would you recommend to senior leaders who then are asked, like you say, hey, is there something coming up? Why did they ask me that? What's going on? Um, because when they say then, okay, yes, we are planning some change, obviously more questions will even come yeah. up. And it's very hard for them to, where do I stop? What can I say? And some feel like lying to their people, yeah, because they feel like I'm hiding so much. What would you recommend? I think that that's huge, I think. And, and I think anybody who's been um, involved in implementing change, has it, it's a real dilemma because you want, we've all been involved. We've all been the person in the corridor. We've been the person, you know, we've, we've been in the person working on the org design and the people placement. But the person who's working, you know, presenting um, changes at transformation committees and things. And um, you, I think you have a real dilemma because you're, you want to be empathetic and give people that information, you know, give them a bit of information that you think is going to settle them. On the other hand, as a leader, um, and most of these projects, as you know, are under a uh, non-disclosure agreement. You actually cannot be sharing that information. So I think one of the very difficult things is by holding, you know, holding yourself tight on it and being really consistent. And then go back to this, this very simple phrase about we are looking at changes to meet the business needs and we'll communicate when we can communicate. And, and you have to, and, and we all know, you know, there's incredibly clever ways. I, I had somebody asking me um, a few years ago about, oh, I want to take a vacation and I'm thinking of taking it like a bit off season. Uh, does that work out with you? And, and it's a bit like, I know you're fishing and I absolutely have empathy with you fishing, but honestly, me giving you half-baked information isn't helping you. And I think this is the other thing about the, the life cycle of the change is it's up until the final release, it's all, nothing's really certain. We've all had those last minute changes that something comes in or an opportunity comes in and you've had to tweak it. So uh, yeah, Ulrika, empathy to, to leaders about having to hold tight. It can be a bit of a lonely place, but giving half information because you think you're being helpful, um, isn't actually helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Because it creates even more insecurity. 
And then afterwards, people build on something that is then not materializing. And then it's even worse because then they feel like betrayed in the worst case, whereas that's what, this was not at all the intention that the person had when communicating a little bit too much. Now, I think it's always this tricky moment then to say, when are we ready? And I know that if you ask the, the, the senior leaders, the decision makers, the CEO, they would like to be as ready as possible usually. That means knowing as much as they can about all the details and be very, very sure about what they are saying, because obviously they do not want to come back to it in two weeks or two months and say, oh, sorry, I was totally wrong. It was a mistake. I have to be, we need to do it now totally differently because we have new information. And that leads to this awkward situation where you bring more and more and more people on board. More and more are in the non-disclosure agreement, <laughs> but because you need more and more information. I think it's a need for control and for security as well, coming from those at the top who have to decide. But when would you say is the right moment? Because there is no such thing, really. There's a balance between do I know enough, but uh, not too much yet, so that it's so much set in stone that nobody can contribute anymore afterwards. Because that's also an obvious advantage of communicating earlier when things are more open and more unsecure. More people can co-create the change then as well. How do you see this balance? Yeah, I think it, it goes back to the complexity of the change. Well, for, first of all, I agree with you that not everything has to be tied up with a bow and perfect because it's just not going to be. But I think um, the main thing about um, that when are you ready really probably comes down to the framework that you're working in. For example, you have to have your ducks in the row about having, if you're going to have an announcement, be very clear about why you're having the announcement. What's the intention? And the fact is that everybody, especially if it's it's to do with the reorganization, have enough information that people want to know what does the new organization, at least at a high level, look like? What's the intention? And then it may be part of your, your consultation process that then you have to do a people placement period, which is really when you're looking at really locking down that. So I guess that's the difference between having that sort of organogram overview and the names and the boxes, or that period when you allow people to apply for roles, et cetera. And I think when you look at change readiness and you look at the change readiness of the organization, that's really valid, but you can't, um, and, and I think this is a challenge for leaders. They think that they can go out with the story. And then when you have to say, well, wait, we haven't got the transformation committee sign off on it, or actually we still have outstanding local tax issues, which we have to um, have to to look at. And I think that's when it gets even more frustrating because you've been working on this for a long time. You're working on it for a long time. You think you've got the ducks in the row. You know that there's things that, that you may not have every answer. And then you're basically knocked back. It could be days, weeks, months, because something has come up and, and I guess that that phrase about it's a marathon, not a sprint, really applies to change programs. So long answer to a very smart question. When's the right time? As soon as possible, but you really have to have that that structure and you have to have the intent and, of course, all the sign-offs that you need. Mm, exactly. If this time is taking long, let's say weeks or months more, very tiring for the leaders who are holding this ambiguity, who are in the knowing and who are 
yeah, feeling like oh, it's five weeks longer, two months longer. When will it finally come out? And I think it's very draining on their resources, maybe also on their own conviction about the change. And once the final moment comes, or actually the start moment where it's announced, where they need all their energy, there's quite a fatigue around the change already because they are in it for such a long time. And what I often see then is also that there's this huge gap because they are in it for such a long time, but the people they speak about or the they speak to about it, for them, it's completely new. They knew something's coming. So they were holding a lot of fear and insecurity in that sense. But for them, it's new what exactly is coming in. It's maybe not what they expected. And there's mm -hmm. this huge gap of knowledge that is there. And very often, it's very hard for leaders to bridge that gap. Also, when looking back to that period where it was really like tiring because for months and months, they're already in this situation somehow. What do you do to help them? What can we do to help leaders in that, in that moment? Well, I think, I think that's where the change, the change um, colleagues and the, the comms colleagues really come together. And also with working with our H, HR colleagues and also peer-to-peer -peer coaching. So if I think about it, like any marathon, there's, it's tiring. You know, there's a point that you're just like, oh man, when is this going to end? You're fed up with holidays being shorter, having to look at stuff on weekends. You, you just want it to be over with. But I, I think there's also an added challenge that comes because, and I'm sure you and your listeners have heard this, well, everybody just focus on, focus on the business and this is just a side. And it is, but I mean, it's so hugely distracting. And I, what I see with leaders is that the preparing for the change takes much longer, not only time-wise, but is much more resource intense than anticipated. So that first of all happens. And then they get to this, um, this sort of point where they're realizing that most likely the BAU, the, you know, the business, uh, daily business deliveries starting to suffer. So how do they keep the business results? Because nobody puts the business results on hold because you're spending 30 hours a week working on a change program. So I think this, this um, needing to get back to business as, as usual delivery is a challenge. So there's, there's a couple of challenges, maybe three challenges that I see the leaders having. One is the fatigue that you say, and, and this, this point of self-doubt and, and doubting the program is very natural and how to, how to work through that. And that's where I think, you, you know, the change team plus the, the peers can also help with that. I think the second part is around the really understanding your, maybe your business as usual performance will take a bit of a hit. And, and, you know, that's, that's a business situation and you have to think about, well, then how am I going to make up for the lost time later? And then I think the third part is really around being really clear as leaders about when you actually get to the change and announce it, really being clear about how you're going to announce it and what you're going to, and what's going to be your behavior after that. Because that, the, the, that's also, you know, announcement days, probably two thirds of the way from through the marathon. And then you keep going. Yeah. And, it, and actually, I think it's not always obviously a bad thing that it takes long until the announcement comes because leaders can really take that time to prepare themselves. Like you say, how do you want to communicate it? 
And obviously you get your, your frequently asked questions from your communications department. At least if it's a big organization, you get that kind of stuff. You get material. It was all worked out together. But there's always this personal, very individual part of it. And if a leader wants to make it credible and wants to come across as, as someone also who really carries the change, they need to bring in their own motivation and they need to be clear about that before. And that's not falling from the sky like this. You have to really think about it. You really have to reflect on that. And if it's a change that you don't like, then it takes more time to find what can be my personal connection to that whole thing. Because there's maybe something personal behind that for me that's interesting. Maybe it's a great experience, even if I don't like the project as such. But maybe it's a great experience and I connect in a way that is still very authentic because it's personal to me. So I think seeing this period as not just something that is a delay, but rather something that is also an opportunity for getting prepared is, is a good thing. But then, then a crucial moment happens, obviously, because then it's communicated, it's out there. And then you have, if it's a bigger organization, the middle managers. And they're very much like the middle managers because they have such a special and such a difficult role because they suddenly finally find out what's going on. Yeah. And immediately they have to stand up for their teams and carry it through. And that is very difficult. So how do we, how do we handle this crucial moment best? Um, yeah, and I think we've all been in those positions where we haven't been involved in the you know, org design, we haven't been involved in the, the in, in the sort of the positioning. And then we get to either hold people tight or, um, or deliver an unfortunate news. And I think there's things around here and, and at the same time, quite often it's the middle managers who have the pressure to deliver the business because their bosses are often at war room doing stuff. <laughs> So, so it's not a, um, it's quite often not an enviable situation. I think you've touched on some really interesting points is first of all, quite often you're basically embedding or implementing changes that you may not particularly agree with. And that's, I think, and, and uh, every leader's, leader's um, dilemma about you know, the, where, where are those safe places that you can question things, that you can have conversations, but that you have your game face on when you're with your, with your team? Um, and I think that, the, that we talk a lot about authenticity, um, but I think that there's also a part of the role of a leader. It also includes the company line and being consistent with the rest of the company line. I think the the thing about finding and you you touched on it well. I, th I think you have to find what's your connection with the change. And one of the things that I really noticed um, from when I started working on change communications years ago, my my first change communication, I hadn't done change before, and I was on a project team that um, was basically had sold a business and had sixty thousand employees around the world that they were transferring over to a government agency that had bought this business. And the plan was that we could maybe do it in two months. <laughs> it's just like so naive. Now, I won't tell you when that was or where that was, but it was a long time ago. And I think that um, the recognition of change and transformation, we've probably had more of it going on and it has um, it's matured a lot. But I think that um, one of the things that I really noticed is that a compelling vision isn't enough. And um, people really want to know, you know, before it was, 
a compelling vis- vision and then to say what's in it for me. And that was sort of your change story. What I'm finding with, with people over the last few years is they really, our employees really want to have tangible business stories. They want to know that if we're doing a relocation or if we're bringing teams together, what's the business outcome? Not that this is going to be great because it's going to create synergies and all this other word, these other phrases that we've all written to far too many times, but um, they really want to know what the tangible outcomes are going to be. And they, you know, even if cost savings won, just be honest with them. So I think for our dear middle managers, you know, communicators can equipment with, equip them with the coaching sessions and all the onboarding materials. But this creating some type of personal connection with your team is important. Um, of course, onboarding them as early as possible um, in, is the ideal, but I think we would all agree that it's never early enough. However, we know the complications that being under NDA, maybe your change program is going to be stock market sensitive. Maybe you're really up until the last minute finalizing the the org structure, for example. So I think that um, ensuring that there is equipped as possible to communicate. And part of that is the Q&As and the key messages and the decks and all this stuff that we we tend to provide them with. But um, one of the things I, I think that having this, this at least time to check in individually with people and just say, and that can either be the line manager of the middle leader or the HR, the change of comms people, just sort of the check-in of, are you okay? One of the things that, that I was on a change program that we found really helpful was after, right after the announcement, and we had this continuous drumbeat because it's not like announcement day. I have my town hall and then I'm off. <laughs> you know, they, we, so they, that's when the questions usually keep going through people placement and then those, those really difficult one-to-one conversations. So one tip could be about for engaging those middle managers is having these sort of open door sessions, which are um, a, a consistent time let's say every week for the first couple of months and maybe every other week after that and then they drop off but just have those where you're creating that safe space that um, the middle managers can get together they you can maybe if you have a couple of updates you can give them but you can also just check in and say how are you doing and um, what are your people asking or what do you what is there anything you're struggling with and I think what the joy of that is is as the change infrastructure, a comms team, if you set it up, it's amazing actually how it turns into peer-to-peer coaching. And you don't have to prepare a lot of stuff. They don't want to hear from you anymore. By that point, you're like, go away. Let me get on with the change. But the knowledge and support that they get from their peers is really great. So um, yeah, middle, middle managers don't have it easy. I think maybe just to, to finish it's probably better to do one or two things consistently and continuously than trying to overload yourself with lots of different things. And um, Ulrich, I was thinking of one of your previous guests because you had a, a great um, um, ex-colleague of ours, Ricardo Troyana was on, I think, a, a few episodes ago, and he's a brilliant change leader and, and leadership coach. 
But uh, what I really liked was he talked about the ABCs of communication and how to communicate organizational change. And his C, when he said about consistency, I nearly jumped up and did a little dance because I think it's so important to have this consistency in what you say, but also what you do. And yeah, just take care of the middle managers, make them, help, help them be equipped, check in on them, help them create a connection, but also encourage them just to do one or two things consistently and well. Mm, absolutely. And I, I think this is what we can bring into change programs as security and stability. I always point that out because I know that for people, it's absolutely crucial to have that in their lives. And for a majority of people, it's the main thing they need in their lives. And in change, we usually don't have that very much, but we can bring it in by having a certain consistency, a certain predictability of how people will react or what might happen, or even if things change, then at least we have an idea about maybe the reaction of the person or the way how people behave or how your leader behaves, you know, that you have at least some stability. And that brings me to the last element of the life cycle, which are the employees, all oh. All the people in the organization who just get to know what's going on and who still also will have to deal with what you called a lot of unknowances, because there are many things that might still change throughout the journey where we have to adapt. And what I think is always good, obviously, to have that never, nothing is really set in stone yet. So that also, let's say the normal employee, the just normal team member, contributor, is able to bring in some expertise and some improvement ideas and that teams can still have still a certain freedom to operate within the change and to create something that really makes sense in their area. Because sometimes only when we go down to this detailed level, we find out what's really needed. And if certain things that we have planned, like two or three steps above, will work or will not work. And if they don't, then, well, we need to change again. <laughs> we need to, you know, correct what was planned in that area, potentially. What's your experience with this last, this last step? Yeah, I mean, the employees, and we've all been there, I think. It's a highly, change is a highly uncomfortable situation. And bridging back to your, your previous question about this, this stress, that it creates a stress and how do you really look at creating sort of some type of, of safe space or at least a, a really strong empathy for it. Because I think what happens with the, the stress of the uncertainty is um, not only are you dealing with it as an individual, but a lot of people, you know, you're going home to your family, you're going home to your partner, you're going back to your friends. Everybody's asking you, well, what's happening? How could they do that? And you don't know. I think every employee's in this in-between zone of they don't know what's happening at work, but they're sort of expected by a lot of their, their, the people around them to know. And that creates a, a stress as they're trying to keep it steady for like happy face on, on one side, but deep uncertainty. Um, mm -hmm. So I think what, what, what do we have with employees? I mean, once again, if we think back to what we've discussed about the importance of, um, yes, having, having an authentic, compelling vision, but also being really clear about why are we going through all of this and what, what are going to be the, the um, benefits uh, being as clear as you can be about what's in it for me and also owning it when you can't say and holding tight and being consistent. I think that, um, that companies do a lot to respect or ideally respect those who are impacted 
And there's a whole, you know, programs around the redundancy and things. But I think there's also a bit of an empathy that sometimes we don't have as, as stepping back and saying to the person who's impacted, you know, how do you want your news to be shared? How, how do you want to leave the company? How do you, you know, checking in with them. And now there may be things that you can't do because of local regulations, but checking in on people. I've been amazed by um, how many people over over the years I've heard, you know, had the, had the conversation with, with their boss, with HR in the room. And that was basically just it. And it's, it's a horrible way to attend a relationship. Um, but also if we look at those colleagues who, who left, I think, um, yes, there's things about keeping communicating and impact and, and, and engaging with them. And also if you have no news, being clear that you have no news. So we had a, a change program where every other, we had a, um, an open Q and A where people could keep sending in Q and A's and every other week we would publish the cues, the questions with answers that had come in. We always published, even if we had nothing to publish, we'd say, you know, this is your, your biweekly Q&A update. Nothing came in, but as a reminder, here's all the other ones that we've already done. But I, I think you also touched um, a couple of times during our conversation on the fact that, you know, the what is the announcement? I mean, the announcement on announcement days the sort of the compelling vision, it's the how, the why, but it's not going to be all the details. And there's still a huge amount of work afterwards. And I think that the encouragement I would have is to really think about those unknowns or even knowings that you don't have answers for, you know, really in, engage people uh, in, and engage them to co-create, um, to help them to help you get the answers. Um, so there's nothing wrong with saying, I don't, we don't have all the answers. So how are you really going to engage people in co-creation of, to design solutions, be open to their ideas because they may actually have ideas that you don't have, you haven't thought of, because I think you touched on it. You're not close enough to the actual subject matter expertise. And also at that stage, realize, you know, it's a bit like it's still at a negotiation stage. And you're really negotiating now the success of your transformation with the people who are going to be in the company supporting the transformation. So I would say also don't get so stuck in the, well, we said it was going to be like this. So this is exactly how it's going to be. You know, really think what, what is a must win, must do, must win. And what are the areas that if you've asked people to co-create and you've empowered them come up with solutions and suggestions, what can you let go of so they really feel that they're also driving the change rather than having the change just happen to them? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it makes it just much more of a bottom-up and top-down exercise and not a top-down exercise because often it's a top-down exercise and that's very frustrating because nobody wants to disempower, be disempowered. And if you make it more of a bottom-up, but then it needs to be a credible one, obviously. So, which means when people bring in suggestions that they are also transferred into reality, obviously not all of them, it's never like that, but that teams can see, hey, if we make a few suggestions here, one or two might really be taken up because they make sense. And then they have this feeling of, okay, we're in it actively and not just as victims or those who like suffer from the change. 
And I think that makes a big difference, but it needs to be honestly addressed, not just like an alibi exercise, something that is true and where we really want to have that, that matter of subject expertise that we have across the whole organization and to make this a valuable tool for the change or for optimizing the change and really positioning like that and then applying it as well. That's a pretty powerful thing, I think. Yeah. And, you know, we, uh, I, you, you're sort of um, referencing box ticking. And I would say so much about really avoid the box ticking. And I was thinking of a change, as you said that, about a change program that I had worked on. And um, the, the change had been set out. And it seemed on the surface really great. There were teams that were being brought together to do the sprints. The external consultant was helping a bit. And then I was absolutely, I was so discouraged one day because I was in a meeting and I heard that basically, yeah, we'll, we'll just let them run for another week and then it'll, then we'll, we'll shut this down. And I'm like, well, run what? And it ended up that I was just so, so Pollyanna naive to this. I, I hadn't read it at all was that the whole sprint and that energy that people were putting in and the, the quote unquote empowerment was really just an exercise and um, not only highly discouraging at the time, but very quickly people figured once again back to that we hire smart people, we hire savvy people, we hire intelligent people. And they figured out that this is a box ticking exercise and it went really badly. Yeah. Then better doing nothing than doing Not do it. Better to not do, you know, do a few things well. Don't do the box ticking exercise because your smart people will know that you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Fiona. I mean, time is time is running. And this was a lot, a really, really great talk with a lot of great insights. And I will also put in the show notes some of the main points, the main topic areas that we discussed, because there are a lot of takeaways that people who are leading change can take, no matter if they are a senior leader, middle management leader, even as an employee, I think it was an interesting discussion because it's a bit of a look behind the scenes as well, what's going on before actually a change is announced. So thank you for that, Fiona. And thank you for the invitation, Nalrika. It's been great to chat. Yeah. And thanks to the audience for tuning into Leading Change Conversations. And if you want to improve your own skills, you can check out my crisp and effective 19-minute sessions for individuals on my website, ulrikaseminati.com for individuals. And you'll find there are a bunch of useful online life classes around overcoming procrastination, surmounting change resistance, communicating with impact, obviously and influencing through presence, which is out there. So I'm looking forward to meeting you one day and thank you for listening. And until next time, keep leading, keep learning and making a difference.